Toasties. I'm Missy, here with my bestie Johnsy. Hey y'all. And welcome to our Toasted Shenanigans. How we doing? I'm doing. You doing? I'm doing. (laughs) We have the new fun drink today that I was telling you about last week. I know, I'm excited to try it. Alright, I've already tried it, so I already know what it tastes like. You gotta try it now. Well, we gotta tell them what it is. It is called Purple Drank. It's got this weird... Barney on the front that gives me anxiety. He's he's not Barney for copyright reasons, but he does look like a. He gives me anxiety. <laughs> he does look like one, but it is a Concord grape mead, mm-hmm. and it tastes like the Welch's grape sparkling grape juice. Try it. Do it. Oh my god, that's so fucking dangerous. It's good. That's amazing. Yeah, it's good. That one's Holy really good. Cow. It tastes just like juice. Yeah, you can barely tell a difference. Like it's got and a little bit of fermented taste to it, but where's the alcohol? It's seven percent. Those will go down easily. Oh, very easily. Thanks, Funktastic Mead. Yeah, that's a good one. This is a wiener. Yeah, kind of like that orange juice one. Yeah, that one's good too. Yeah. And that other one that I like. Uh, missed opportunities yeah because it's good the too. it's the dry wine type that you like but i do like that one too i'm not a big wine dry wine take that's good yeah stay don't fall please we have this like little little swivel table <laughs> and johnsy's side is like a little a little w- more wobbly at the moment she's like paranoid <laughs> as hell that it's gonna fall all I can imagine is that purple drink all over your white carpet. <laughs> That's not white. Let's be honest. Uh, it's beige. It, yeah. Beige, whatever. It's a light it's a, color. It's a, it is a light color. It's like a grayish, tannish. It's light. That's all. It'll be aight. <clears throat> Nothing a little vinegar can't and baking soda can't get out. True that. True that. How was your day? It was pretty good. I was just trying to recoup. Had a fun weekend. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you know, fun times with family. You guys are down at the lake, though. That was cool. Yeah. That's good. I'm glad. So, you look tired. I am tired. <laughs> you look tired. I am tired. I took, it, a, I took a nap today, so I'm... I'm I did not take a nap today. <laughs> I did. I should have. Mm-mm. I came back from picking up my daughter from some youth group thing at Putt-Putt, and, uh... Again, I went to sleep. I'm like, all right, good night, guys. It's a good I night. I go to Pup Hut. I haven't been there in so long. I haven't been to actual Pup Hut probably since like high school when we all went there to go play like DDR and stuff. <laughs> we didn't actually play Pup Hut. Gosh, <laughs> DDR. <laughs> OMG. What are we talking about today? All right. So let's, let's dive into this because I know you're you're in, you yeah, need you need this off your I, chest. Yeah. This one was recommended to us at the beginning when we first started. So it was recommended by Stephanie. And it is quite the case. Um, we'll be a three-parter, y'all. So Please don't hate us. Yeah. But we got to do this. Just get it out of the way. I mean, I mean, three months, three-parter. Why not? Yeah, there you go. Um, but it's the West Memphis Three. Oh, and that also. It's the West Memphis Three, so it has to be three parts. Yeah. Of course. <laughs> All the threes. Hey, what's the angel number for three? What does that mean? Three, 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 angel number. It oh, doesn't shit. mean anything. 
That's a lie. Don't lie to me like that. No, it doesn't mean anything because then that's what these stupid people try to say was that because of the three and the three and the three that it was tied to some kind of satanic thing. No, it's it was an six, angel. Six, six. It's an angel number. It means good things. The... It's a freaking number. Oh, my gosh. That just made me angry. <laughs> Why would they do that? Why would they take something so beautiful and make... Oh, fuck them. All right. I'm already pissed off. Carry on, please. <laughs> All right. So I'm going to tell this a little bit differently than a lot of... Because I know this This is also a story that's been done quite a bit. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of podcasts. There's a lot of documentaries. Um, there's a lot of books. It's just been overly done. But it usually starts with our victims and... Um, I have already made up my mind about this case. So I'm actually going to start with the three unfortunate boys that were accused of the horrendous crimes. Okay. So in West Memphis, Arkansas, uh, just to give you a little insight of the small town of West Memphis, it's located directly from, or sorry, directly across the Mississippi River from Memphis, Tennessee. Okay. Which I don't know if you remember going back a couple conversations ago, we talked about some of the most dangerous cities to live in. Mm-hmm. Memphis is one of them. Yep. I already know that. I was mind boggled at the list that when I was looking at it, mm-hmm. that m- some of the names that were on the Chattanooga, mm-hmm. Memphis, yep. um, Nashville. But so in 2008, the total murder risk for the city was over two and a half times of the United States average. Fuck. Yeah. And the city lies at a point where two of the nation's most heavily traveled interstate highways, Interstate 40 and 55, intersect with the Mississippi River. So there's a lot of large rail lines, too, as well. So there's a lot of constant in and out traffic. Oh, okay. And that's the reason why the city stays alive due to the business and people always coming in and out of that area. Mm -hmm. But the population itself is only less than 24,000. So people who actually live there is... That's small. That's very small, especially for nowadays. Um, And the median income is only $35,000. Oh, shit. And that was as of 2022, according to the U.S. Census. Oh, shit. That is a very Mm -hmm. unfortunate number. Yeah. Oh, my fucking goodness. So, small city, most of it living in poverty... Which we know leads to a lot of crime and drugs in the area. But in 1993, it wasn't any different. You're just changing some numbers a little bit. Mm. Um, the biggest difference, though, between now and then is that satanic panic that bloomed in the 80s infected their small population. Of course. And local juvenile officer Jerry Driver, he's a dickhead, was extremely obsessed with satanic panic to the point that he would actually patrol the town often looking for signs of like the occult happening and then harass many of the local teens and he would actually claim like he took random pictures of roadkill to show the teens and like tell them that this was this was satanic occult stuff Mm -hmm. you know you could obviously tell no it's just roadkill the ran over squirrel dude but it, it basically, Driver had already, like, made up his mind about one kid in particular, and he was, like, trying to convince everybody in the town he knew exactly who was committing these 
satanic occult crimes that weren't actually satanic occult crimes, but he's an idiot. Mm-hmm. And that teenager was Damien Eccles. Driver was so obsessed with the point of Damien committing these satanic crimes that he would actually stalk him across state lines. That's creepy. Mm-hmm. And he went even as far to go to wait at a Greyhound bus station for Damien to come back into town so he could arrest him for breaking his parole, even though the police department had granted Damien permission to return home without any kind of issue. Yeah. His obsession was to the point where it's just not mentally sound. No, it already doesn't sound like it fucking is. Mm -mm. So, give you a little bit more about Damien. I won't go into a whole lot because overall the story is not about him but I want to make sure that you know I try to tell his story as well because if you don't you can't really see how fucked up this case is. Mm-hmm. Um, I did listen to his book Life After Death. Mm-hmm. Um, if you guys want to get to know Damien a bit more and Jerry Driver I highly recommend listening or reading it whatever. Mm-hmm. Um But it it did give me a lot of insight. And it was like, what the hell? But Damien was a misunderstood troubled teen. As many boys are. Mm -hmm. And he grew up in an abusive household. He lived in multiple dilapidated homes. But most importantly, he stood out in the small Bible Belt City. Because he wore mostly all black. He had metal band t-shirts. Wore trench coat. Black hair. Black fingernails, wrote dark poetry, and took interest in Wicca. Hmm. So, amongst everybody else, he's going to stand out. Yeah. Um, and not only the time, what, that was early 90s? There wasn't a whole lot of, you know, the goth kids no. as is. And to be that, in that small city. That, I mean, that was during the time the Hot Topic was a scary place to go. Yeah. <laughs> You know, it looked like a dark hole in the wall instead of this bright, colorful coming. Yeah, I don't know what it's going to become now. Spencer's gifts without dildos. <laughs> yeah. Um, but Damien, he was very well read. Um, even at a young age, he was reading like Stephen King and whatnot. But he did educate himself on multiple religions, one of them being Catholicism. And this shocked me. But at one point, he'd even considered becoming a priest. Oh. Mm-hmm. And he had his name changed to Damien after learning about St. Damien de Wooster. Hopefully I said that right. But mm-hmm. but Damien was also a smart ass and he would often play into everyone's comments of his evil ways. Oh, so, no. With the name Damien. Yeah. So he, you know, a lot of things were said and he would just be like, yeah, that's me. Yep. And just being so- a smart ass teenager. Not even like a smart ass though. I mean, there's a he's what he wasn't doing was entertaining. It sounds like it sounds like yeah, sure, whatever. Well, there you were some other want. instances too where he was just kind of pushing the envelope. Oh, okay, I was yeah. gonna say it sounds to me more like he wasn't entertaining it. Yeah, no, he he got himself into trouble with his mouth quite a few times, but he was a 17 year old dropout with a history of psychiatric problems, including major depression. Mm. And after a bad breakup. Damien allegedly had threatened his former girlfriend and the boy she was then dating, as well as her family. Oh, no. And, of course, this is a small town. You know, if it happened here, we would never hear about it. But in a small town, it's completely exaggerated. Of course. 
And shortly after said breakup, Damien and his ex get back together. Hmm. And, of course, her parents don't want of course Damien not. around and whatnot. Um, understandably so. You're just threatened everybody. Mm-hmm. For the safety of their daughter, they're scared. Understandable. But they decide to run away. Oh, damn it. Yep. And the young love. Yep. Neither could drive. <laughs> Sorry. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I guess it had, like, kind of started raining at this point, so they try to find shelter. And they actually took shelter in an abandoned trailer. Oh, shit. Yeah. Long story short, cops find them, arrest them both for breaking and entering. And this is when Jerry Driver first met Damien. So Jerry was assigned to him while Damien was in juvie for the minuscule mishappen, which he shouldn't even have been in juvie for, but... Wait, he went to juvie for that? Mm-hmm. Oh, my goodness. That's that's excessive. And side note, too, her parents actually, so she was arrested as well, um, held in juvie for a little bit, but Driver had convinced her parents that she needed to go get help and, yeah, be placed in, like, a girl's home for help. Mm-hmm. This, du- this dude was just something else. Mm. But as uh, soon as Damien sat down with Jerry... He immediately started accusing Damien of being part of a satanic occult. Mm. Yeah. Even though Damien told him he knew nothing of the satanic occult. And Jerry's obsession with Damien was just blooming. And to be honest, the extent this man went to, it was so disturbing. What he did to Damien just to make sure that he like he was kept behind bars or that everybody knew that he was a Satanist and doing all these awful things and which were never actually really happening. Mm-hmm. Oh, sorry guys. That was my bad. <laughs> uh, so months later, this is when Damien tries to start a new life. He moves with his mother to Oregon in 1992. Mm-hmm. Of course, he's still depressed, uh, has a lot going on, you know, his love of his life you know, is locked up. They can't talk or see each other. He's completely away from all of his friends. And at this point, he doesn't even go to school anymore either. His parents never enrolled him back into high school. Of course not. But, um, which he did describe in his book was was a big part of his depression too as well because he actually enjoyed school. I'm sure. He enjoyed being educated, but... It sounds like it. But... Damien was later admitted to the psychiatric ward and placed under suicide watch. Oh, no. There. And. Sorry, guys. Just lost my place. Um, drink your water. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so he returns to Arkansas that fall, knowing that, you know, this is a big thing behind his depression and is briefly interviewed or entered into a juvenile detention center thanks to Driver. So he's arrested immediately at the bus stop. Are you fucking kidding mm-hmm. me? Nope. And then before being transferred to a psychiatric hospital in Little Rock after he did try to bite and attempt to suck the blood from the arm of another detainee. Oh, geez, Louise, dude. Yeah. So that wasn't that wasn't smart. There's a lot of things he did that didn't help his case. No. Now, following his release from Little Rock Hospital, Damien returned to West Memphis where he met regularly with a social worker at a mental health center. 
And the social worker reported in her notes that Damien told her he might become another Charles Manson or Ted Bundy. Oh, shit. Yeah. Like I, I said, he was a smart ass. I honestly thought I, I could tell already he would never be that. Yeah. Just from this little bit of knowing of him. Mm-hmm. But Jerry Dreyer's knowledge of Damien convinced him that he might have a lot to do with the murders that happened in West Memphis, ugh, in West Memphis on May 5th, 1993 along with Damien's best friend, Jason Baldwin. So Jason Baldwin, he was pretty much a normal teenager. He didn't have that goth persona to him. He did listen to metal, wore Metallica and Iron Maiden t-shirts. But again, he didn't look like a goth kid. Um, He was quite quiet and he actually had a pretty cool mullet. Aw, cute. Those are trendy now. Yeah, now they're back in. People back then, you had a mullet immediately, like you're some kind of outlaw. Uh-huh. That are a really bad country singer. Yeah. <laughs> Not naming any names. Nope. <laughs> but besides the mullet, he performed well in school. He did have one prior charge as a 12-year-old kid for breaking an abandoned car windows with rocks. And again, it's a small town, so they're going to crucify you over it. Clearly. He eventually met Damien in junior high and study hall, and they bonded very quickly over metal music. When not in school, they would just hang out, listen to metal, read Thrasher, and other metal magazines. Of course. Metal is live. Yeah, pretty much. Metal and skateboarding. That sounds like my high school life. Yep. (laughs) And if they weren't at Jason's home, then they were at Damien's house, and the two were almost always seen together. Aww. Uh, Jason was two years younger than Damien, so when Damien went on to high school, it was the most time they had ever been separated. Aww. But, essentially, overall, Jason was a good kid, but in West Memphis, he was guilty by association in the eyes of, you know, his little hometown. Fuck them. Yep. So, we got one more kid we gotta talk about that's part of the three. And he lived about four trailers down from Jason. Okay. <clears throat> and his name is Jesse Lloyd Miskelly Jr. Jesse is a year older than Jason. He was known to be a local badass. Uh, he also came from an abusive background. His father could be quite a lot at times. Mm-hmm. And his birth mother was out of the picture. Oh. But he did have a stepmother that he knew and treated him as her own. She was very good to him. Oh, that's good to hear. I love that. But he did have a background of trouble, a few minor charges from fighting. Um, I think there may have been some, like, underage drinking and stuff, too. But uh, mm. he, again, local badass. He liked to instigate stuff. Right. Um, he didn't really have much time's ties with Damien. They didn't really know of each other. In fact... Jesse had said multiple times that he was a little intimidated and scared of Damien when he first met him. And that Damien's goth persona was, creeped Jesse out. I was about to say, out of all three of them, Damien has the mm-hmm. the look. And there, of course, there's all this rumor going around that he drinks, like, pig's blood or something like that on full moons. And just there was all, like, these crazy talks. I was accused of that once. Were you really? I was. But <laughs> I wore the... Cause I, Fun fact, guys, I am a goth, um, and I still will claim that to this day. I may not dress the way I did when I was a teenager, but it is still, a, it's not just a fashion statement. It's a little way of life. It's not a phase. It's not a phase, Mom. 
Um, but I wore, the, you know, the spiked chokers and mm-hmm. stuff like that. And someone's like, so, like, do you, like, have that so that you can, like, suck people's blood if you poke them with it? I'm like, <laughs> yes. Yeah. So, like, when you said, like, yes, you know, exactly. That's how it, Damien was. That's how, yeah. Like, I totally fucking get that. I was like, yeah. And well, I just walked away and the look on their face was fucking priceless. It was hilarious. He lived, let's be honest, he lived in a city where, like, the IQ was well below average. I would say it was 12, yeah. clearly, and he had way too high of an IQ. Mm-hmm. And yeah, this it's a whole I'm like situation already, that, that I'm already like, irritated just off. because I can I can adjust. I cannot not adjust. I cannot I personal level. I I feel it. Absolutely. Already. I think that's what drew me to the case I was saying, is clearly because, same for you. Yeah, I was brought up in a very religious household and I was forced to go to church. It didn't really bother me too much. I didn't like dislike it or mm-hmm. not like it but the church decided to confront my stepmother and tell me that due to the way i was dressing wearing all black they didn't like the road i was going down so i either needed to change or they would no longer accept me in their congregation so that off the bat has always left a sour taste in my mouth of protestant churches I went to, I, I was raised Catholic, and I went to what they called CCD classes, and I remember being, it was like when I was in eighth grade, I believe. Um, it was like right before confirmation. I never made it to confirmation. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, we were in like our religious classes or whatever, and one of the kids, like you go in the school, the Catholic school mm-hmm. for these classes or whatever, and you sit in the classrooms, and one of the kids was going through the kid's desk, and they found a Lamb of God folder in the kid's desk and i was like that's pretty fucking badass i'm in a catholic (laughs) church someone's parents let that boy have lamb of god as a fucking folder i want to meet this person and uh but they all were like oh my gosh i'm like do you do you even know do you even know what that is and it's funny because iron maiden like my sister's just talking about iron maiden and like their merchandise the image of their merchandise looks Mm -hmm. very heavy metal very heavy metal. Mm-hmm. You fucking listen to their music. It's like opera rock. Well, that was like heavy metal back in the day. It's not the metal that we know. It's not black metal. But even then, like there was, you had that coming up. Oh, I guess Metallica came a little bit later after them. But like yeah. even Metallica, I mean, the distance though between Iron Maiden and Metallica is like not yeah, that can, not that far. I can see where you're coming from. So, I mean, but I, it's just funny. Please carry on. We got sidetracked. I'm so sorry, guys. I just, I, I, my, my personal heartstrings are being already plucked. So, mm-hmm. yep. And I know you were able to keep your mouth shut with my last, with our last case. I don't know if I can. <laughs> I'll try my best. Um. Well, this this first episode's not too bad about getting pissed when we start going into the trial. I know. We'll have to like duct tape my mouth. Yeah. <laughs> Get a drink of my sorrows. <laughs> All right. So, anyways, Jesse, he didn't really know Jason or Damien. Didn't really hang out with them. Uh, of course, he knew Jason because Jason was a neighbor, and that was enough. Unfortunately, yeah. Oh, but Jesse, I don't know how to put this nicely. He was just fucking stupid. <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry. sorry. <laughs> It's going to be important later, but Jesse had the IQ. His IQ was 72. Oh. Oh, no. He was he was actually really dexterous. Oh. Yeah, he was actually stupid. 
I'm, I'm trying to be nice about it, but the, uh, I oh, I don't want to spoil anything. I thought you were cracking jokes just that I'm in his just like no, dumb boy stupid. way. No. Oh, okay. Carry on. And just so y'all know, the average person, which this shocked me when I looked this up, the average person has an IQ, IQ of 115. No, they don't. Yes. I don't believe that. In the United States, the average person has an IQ of 115. I swear to goodness they get those numbers because of their, they're doing, um, most people that go through IQ tests are kids that have like ADHD and shit and mm-hmm. need those extra helps. It could be. And that's where they're getting those averages. They're getting them from fucking children because that's honestly way too high. <laughs> and those kids are special in their brains. They're smart as fuck. Well, Jesse was 72 and he was stupid. <laughs> um, he was obviously slower than most and watching him and some of the documentaries he reminds me quite a bit of like Forrest Gump oh that's adorable yeah he had a very intriguing mind but basically it's his mind is very youthful stupid is a stupid yep. and naive that's adorable yeah okay so ultimately he was very easy to take advantage of clearly and that's exactly what the authorities of West Memphis Arkansas did Oh, no. They saw an opportunity and they fucking went for it. Mm. All right, guys, give you a warning. We're about to go into our crime scene. So if you're sensitive, maybe tune off for the next five minutes and come back and join us. Hit fast forward. Yeah. Go potty. <laughs> Wash your hands when you're done. <laughs> you nasties. All right. May 5th, 1993. Around 8 p.m., the West Memphis, um, sorry, West Memphis Police Department received a call from John Mark Byers reporting that his stepson, Christopher Byers, was missing. Byers and his wife, Melissa, told a patrol officer that Chris had last been seen around 5.30. Within the next 90 minutes, police responded to two more calls from worried parents. Dana Moore says she saw her son, Michael, riding on a or sorry, riding off on bikes with two friends around six o'clock, but he had never made it back for dinner. Pamela Hobbs, she had said she hadn't seen her son Stevie Branch since he left for school. News of the three missing eight-year-old boys led to a search of a mosquito-infested four-acre woods near Interstate 40, where neighborhood children were sometimes found playing. The search of the woods, called Robin Robin Hood Hills, turned up nothing, at least for that night. The next morning, Chief Inspector Gary Gitchell announced that he would be heading up the search for the missing boys. That afternoon, authorities began an intensive search of Robin Hood Hills. Wasn't long into it. The search that Steve Jones, a juvenile officer that was also Jerry Driver's best friend, spotted a black tennis shoe floating in the water of a drainage dish in the Robin Hood Hills. Fifteen minutes later, Sergeant Michael Allen, searching the muddy ditch, felt something graze upon his leg. Reaching slowly down, he pulled up the naked body of a young boy. Mm. Yellow crime tape went up around the mer- around the area immediately, and within the hour, police recovered two more bodies of children. All three lifeless bodies of the boys lay naked on the ditch bank with wrists bound to ankles with shoelaces. The body of one of the boys identified as Christopher Byers was found with the scrotum gone and his penis skinned. 
Their clothing was found in the creek, some of it twisted around sticks that had been thrust into the muddy ditch bed. The clothing was mostly turned inside out, and two pairs of the boys' underwear were never recovered. Gitchell walked to the edge of the woods where a large crowd had gathered, including the three sets of parents to the young boys. And upon hearing the news, screams of anguish drowned out all of the chatter, and the news of each mother was told the nightmarish state of which their babies were found in. Despite the violence of this crime, there was little evidence at the scene of the crime. Police wondered at the peculiar lack of blood or fibers, and also noted that the area looked as though it had been completely swept clean. And remember, guys, we're talking about this is in the woods. That's going to be really hard to do, especially at nighttime. Mm-hmm. Christopher, he had bled to death. So there should have been blood everywhere. While Stevie and Michael had died of drowning, of course, you would think the wounds that all the boys had been discovered with that were there would be copious amounts of blood and other evidence at the scene. The police were faced with a case that immediately gained national attention, but that yielded little information which to find the person or people responsible. Soon after the bodies were removed from Robin Hood Hills, rumors began circulating that the killings might have been the work of devil worshippers. Inspector Gitchall did nothing to calm the rumors when he told reporters that his department was investigating the possibility that the murders were connected with cult activity. While Jerry Driver was the first to point fingers at the local, uh, six local teens who were connected with the cult, according to him. The West Memphis Police Department signed the case number 9305666 to the murder file. This case number, of course, was out of sequence, but they obviously aren't going to tell anybody that. So, from the get-go, it was almost a setup just to calm everybody down Mm -hmm. and have somebody convicted for it and held responsible for it. Our three eight-year-old victims were Stevie Branch. He was the son of Steve and Pam Branch who divorced when he was an infant. Pam was awarded custody, and Steve was allowed visitation with the boy only when Pam was also present. She later married Terry Hobbs. Christopher Byers was born to Melissa Defer and Ricky Murray. After divorcing Murray, Melissa married John Mark Byers, who later adopted her two sons. John Mark Byers has a long criminal history, including charges for making death threats, against his first wife, and multiple drug and theft offenses. Mark Byers was a frequent paid informant for the West West Memphis Police Department. He had admitted whipping Christopher with a belt only a few hours before the boys went missing, all because Christopher had tried to break into his home, because when he got home, there was nobody there, and he was not allowed a house key. Hmm. Yeah. Hmm. According to Crinton County Prosecutor John Fogelman, police and other officials suspected John Mark Byers of committing the murders the day the victims were discovered. Hmm. Michael Moore was the son of Todd and Dana Moore. Of the three murdered boys, Michael's parents were the only ones still married and who never had any serious criminal charges or investigations made against them. 
they just happen to live in that area that was just it's it's a small city mm. and like i said earlier a lot of drugs a lot of crime so just coincidence for that yeah. one so immediately i know a lot of people's minds goes to mark byers did it um when watching the documentary with my family obviously they said it from the beginning that man did it he had something to do with it and i said i don't know i don't think so i think this man because you can obviously tell he's always on something but he did he was he was very 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 extreme um he was a very odd individual and as i stated earlier he had a laundry list of crimes and addictions and as I watched the HBO documentary Paradise Lost, I was dumbfounded by his mannerisms. And I questioned myself multiple times. Did he murder those three boys? Because he was so over-the-top eccentric. It was like he was trying to distract you. Mm-hmm. You could tell he was putting on quite the show for the cameras and things he did or didn't say mm-hmm. didn't add up. Hmm. I probably Googled about five times his name trying to make sure that it was actually him because I thought when watching this documentary, I was like, there's no way somebody like this exists. This has got to be just bad yeah, acting. Yeah, you were talking about that. Um, but nope. It was him. And after finishing the series, though, I realized his additions took the lead in his bizarre behavior. I do not believe now that he had any part in murdering the three little boys. Mark is just, in a polite term, unique. Mm-hmm. Possibly operating with a lower IQ as well. Probably. And I'm going to play a clip for y'all from the documentary so you can hopefully see some insight as to whom the character is that I am describing. Because he does play a big part. In this clip, Mark is staying at the banks of the crime scene where the boys were found. Okay. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I shall fear no evil. And I'm not scared of the devil. I know who my comforter is. Thy rod and thy staff comfort me. And I thank you, Lord, for letting me be able to believe in that with all my heart. I hope y'all really believe in your master, the Satan, the sleuth foot, devil himself, because he's not going to help you. He's going to laugh at you, mock at you, and torture you. He didn't need your help. The devil's got all the devils he needs. The good Lord said Lucifer and a third of the angels were cast from heaven. He didn't need them, but he took their mind and he manipulated them. And they prayed to Satan and they prayed to the devil. And they had their satanic worship services out here. And they had all types of wild homosexual orgies, I've been told. Crazy things. To me, this place as I stand is like hell on earth because I know that three babies were killed right out here where I stand. I know my son was castrated and possibly laid there on that bank and bled to death. I know he was choked. I know one boy's head was beat in beyond recognition. I know one little boy was skinned almost like an animal, cut had to shave his head, had all types of injuries to the head where they just kept beating 
and pounding on them and killing them and killing them. It's like they enjoyed it. They killed them two or three times. Jesse Miskelly Jr., Jason Baldwin, Damian Eccles, I hope your master of the devil does take you soon. I want you to meet him real soon. And the day you die, I'm going to praise God. And I make you a promise. The day you die, every year on May 5th, I'm going to come to your graveside. I'm going to spit on you. I'm going to curse the day you were born. And I'm sure while I'm standing there, I'm going to have to have other bodily functions let go upon your grave. I promise you, as God is my witness, I'll visit all three of your graves. That eccentric, but you can hear anger. Mm-hmm. You can hear pain. Mm-hmm. And my heart aches that he hurt so bad. Mm-hmm. And I feel like nobody wishes anything to do anybody to harm like that unless they're hurting. Yeah. And honestly, listening to the crime scene, those poor little boys did not die on that bank. Mm -mm. That was done somewhere else. Mm -hmm. It was a Black Dahlia moment. Mm -hmm. The crime was done somewhere else. That's just where they were dumped. Yep. That's why you can't find anything. There's no way in the woods would be clean. Mm-hmm. No way. And that's what I said all along when, you know, my family is like, yeah, he definitely did. He definitely didn't. I was like, I don't know. I just think he has these exaggerated emotions probably due to his addictions. Probably. But that's pain. Mm-hmm. Probably for even himself for not being better protecting his boy. Probably. Yeah, I'm sure there was a lot there's of a guilt. Lot of, I was going to say, there's a lot of guilt in that. And it's easier to point fingers than to take the a little bit of the responsibility on yourself. Mm-hmm. Not responsibility in the fact that he did anything, but... Well, like I said, he is he is unique. Yeah. Um, you can obviously tell that he's on something... There's like a slur and exaggerated tone behind oh, he his was speech. Dr- he had to have been drunk or yeah. something then. Yeah, absolutely. He um, sounded drunk. And he, he does that frequently through the documentary where he's putting it on quite the show. Theatrics. Um, though he was very suspicious. And at one point in time, he actually gave a hinged blade to the HBO producers who did the documentary as a Christmas gift. And it did have DNA on it. That matched his and Christopher's. Oh, shit. I don't believe he had anything to do with it. I am not going to waste any more time on him because I think a lot of the documentaries and the books do um, that. And I'm not going to do what everybody else did to Damien, Jason, and Jesse and just make accusations. Right. So... I will come back to the end to share who I believe it was at the end of our case. And I have factual evidence to say as such, not just making accusations. Mm. Okay. Mm -hmm. Carry on. So 
That leaves us as to how Damien, Jason, and Jesse were accused of this tragic crime. And the answer to that is two individuals seeking their own gain in this case. Jerry Driver, juvenile officer, who we met at the beginning of the story and who was obsessed with Damien, convinced he had ties to a satanic cult, even though there was no evidence to Damien having ties to any kind of cult or to the crime having any evidence of satanic cult. And we also have Gary Gitchell, lead investigator, who by chance was planning on running for sheriff. And Gitchell couldn't leave the West Memphis Police Department with an open case like this and be expected to win his election. Mm-hmm. So Gitchell went after the best chance he had to solve this case quickly. There was zero evidence that this was the crime of the occult, and there was zero evidence that Damien, Jason, or Jesse had anything to do with the murders. But it was the easiest to run with, and that is exactly what Gary Gitchell did. In our next episode, I will dive into how the three teens were arrested, the trial, and once again, the failed justice system our government provides for us. And I will leave you with a tidbit of advice that I hope all you toasties ponder tonight. Do not judge each other. I know it's easier said than done, but more than likely you are wrong. And I don't mean that as a slight to anybody. You haven't walked in their shoes, and if you have, you haven't lived their life. We all deserve a chance to be heard and validated. Show some kindness. Try to put yourself in their shoes. Think of how someone has judged you. We would all be a lot better off standing together versus just pointing fingers at each other. Absolutely. And I think we forget that a whole lot. Uh, yeah, unfortunately. Yeah. Everyone te- seems to be forgetting that. And you notice that every day more and more how much people are Yeah, it's are just getting that. worse. It's getting worse. And what's ironic is actually what keeps popping up on my Facebook memories is this young, wonderful young man who, because it was during the riots, mm-hmm. who stood in the middle and had a free hug shirt and was hugging who people deemed the wrong side. And he was like, it's not about that. It's about love. Mm-hmm. It's about spreading love. It's about spreading kindness not judging them for who they are and not judging you for who you are because what's on the outside doesn't make you that no not, I mean I'm not going to quote too much on what he said but unfortunately our society does it every day every second and they don't want it to happen to them but quick to do it to others yes and I'm not saying that I'm not guilty of it myself Everybody has their moments. But I just wish everybody could be a little bit more aware about it because this is this kind of situation where it happened to three young men and it destroyed their lives. Mm-hmm. And it that's how much that damaging word of mouth can do to somebody. So just think about it before you say it. Smile more, people. Yeah. You could save a life literally with one smile. I wish that we should make it a thing. Pay it forward thing needs to kick back in. Needs to trend again. Fuck yeah. Heard about it for a little bit and then just stopped. Yeah. Yeah. 
everybody unfortunately is now looking out for themselves and though you do need to scrub your back and you do need to look out for yourselves there's the whole you know but looking out for your neighbor or the stranger that's still looking out for yourself because you're still creating a better society yeah it comes fully back around it does because the thing is you look out for your neighbor they'll look out for you Mm -hmm. what what is what were they called fuck i keep eating the gardens what are you talking about everybody had a garden in their yard to help feed their neighborhoods oh i know what you're talking about oh my god i don't i don't know the name of that I'll remember it later, guys, when I'm, like, <laughs> by myself and going to bed at night, just curled up all cozy and all of a sudden I'm like, it was the, this garden. Everybody had, like, a garden and chickens and it helped feed their neighborhood because everybody looking out for each other because mm-hmm. it was during a war time. Yeah. You go back to that. I think a lot of people did that, too, when we just recently had the whole egg thing mm-hmm. go on. If you notice, egg prices have come down. Mm-hmm. But stay tuned for part two. Like I said, we'll go into the trial and what little evidence they have. Of course they have little evidence, little fuckers. Yeah. <laughs> Another case to piss you off. Sorry, guys. Oh, yeah. But remember, love each other, guys. Mm-hmm. Fucking love each other. Give hugs. All the hugs. Hug yourself. Look yourself in the mirror and tell yourself you're fucking amazing because you are. Those affirmations are harder Oh my gosh, I decided one day to do that. I stared at myself in the mirror and kept telling myself how great I was. I started crying. I'm going to fucking lie. I started crying. It's really hard. It's a, it's, it is hard. It's really hard. But you know what? If everybody else started loving them, their fucking selves, you'd be amazed at how yep. much you could start loving other people because that's the biggest problem is nobody even loves their fucking self. Nope. You're beautiful. You're wonderful. You're great. Absolutely. We love you. We love you. I love you. <laughs> I love you. <laughs> Loving all around and it's not the grape juice. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Well, fuck. All right, guys. Come back next week. Please don't hate us for this three-parter. No. Please enjoy it. And um, make sure you guys like, follow, share on all the the medias of the socials with the TikToks and the Facebooks and the Instagrams and... And hit the damn bell. Hit the bell. <laughs> I got nervous, though, not going to lie. I Why? You must have scheduled it, the last episode to be a little bit later or something because I woke up and I didn't have the notification. I'm like, oh, my gosh, is it up? Is it up? And all of a sudden, there it was. I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> no, it should have been published at, like, midnight. Yeah, I didn't get the notification. Right. I think my phone was being slow. I got scared. Oh. I even went back. I'm like, I hit the bell. <laughs> Make sure you guys let us know what you guys think of all these episodes. Drop us uh, any likes and stories you guys want to hear and uh drink suggestions although i switched things up mm-hmm. it was delicious i've been sitting here <laughs> chugging it couldn't have been the anger though <laughs> <laughs> all right guys until next time bye, bye.